Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's mini case. Now it's hard to keep two young people away from each other when they are in love. Although when they don't live in the same town they have to find other means to keep in contact but sometimes it may put life in danger. Today's case is the disappearance of Elaine Nix. Eighteen-year-old Elaine Nix lived in Gainesville, Georgia in 1999. Now, she was a small girl in stature, but she was filled with big dreams of becoming a registered nurse. She really wanted to help people around her, and she too was surrounded by people who loved her, including her boyfriend, Billy Millwood. Now, Billy lived in Cleveland, Georgia, and it was only a 30-minute drive from Elaine's house, but for the young couple, it was just a world away. So instead of seeing each other, they made sure to talk on the phone almost every night. And for a while, Elaine would call Billy from her home phone, but the long-distance phone calls equated to a $75 phone bill each month. And for a family living on a budget, it was just more than that you know, what they could afford, so Elaine's mother blocked all long-distance calls and told her daughter she had to find another way to communicate with Billy. Elaine found that if she used the payphone at a nearby store called Zach's Food Rack on Chandler Road, she could call Billy for only 35 cents for as long as she wanted. Now, Elaine and Billy created a routine and Elaine would call him from the payphone at 11pm almost every night. And the couple would talk for ages, you know, maybe like an hour before Elaine would make her way home for the night. So on the night of September 20th, 1999, it kind of started out the same as any other night. Elaine and Billy had their usual hour-long conversation from the payphone and they discussed an upcoming camping trip that they were looking forward to taking together. When the call ended, Billy assumed Elaine would go home as she usually did. However, this time, Elaine never made it home. At first, Elaine's parents, David and Becky, weren't too worried. They knew their daughter would occasionally stay the night with a friend and her cousin's house, so they assumed that that was where she was when she didn't come home. Although, when Elaine didn't show up for work at a local restaurant the next morning, her parents knew that something was very wrong. You know, it was payday and Elaine really wanted her paycheck. So Elaine's parents made their way to Zach's food rack since it was the last place they knew their daughter to be. And in the parking lot, they found her 1986 Toyota with the driver's window down and the key still in the ignition. Elaine had left her handbag and her cigarettes on the passenger seat and the only item missing was her address book. Elaine herself was nowhere to be found. Elaine's mum then drove her car home. She didn't realise that the car may be a piece of evidence and it would be contaminated by driving it and removing it from the scene. 
Upon returning home, Elaine's parents reported her missing to the police, and in the beginning, the police department wasn't too concerned about Elaine's whereabouts. They assumed that she was a runaway and that she'd be home eventually. However, they did set up roadblocks and asked drivers if they had seen her. Elaine's family didn't believe that she ran away from home, especially since she left everything behind. They gathered up friends and family and organised a search party of their own, but unfortunately, they came up empty-handed. Nine days after Elaine's disappearance, on September 29th, 1999, a man cutting grass behind the Buford Industrial Park on Verona Avenue smelled a weird smell that he described as being putrid. So he went to investigate, and just inside the tree line of the woods, he discovered the nude body of Elaine. Elaine's body was found 17 miles from the payphone when she was located just past the Hall County line into Gwinnett County, bringing a second police department into the investigation. Due to the high heat and humidity, Elaine's body was in an advanced stage of decomposition and she was identified by dental records as well as her frog and butterfly tattoos. Her cause of death was unable to be determined, however, based on the lack of other signs of injury, the medical examiner kind of thought that she may have been strangled or suffocated, and she was still wearing her inexpensive jewellery, although her clothing had never been found. Phone records confirmed Elaine's call with Billy ended around midnight, as it usually did on the night that she went missing. So after that, the police do not really know what happened to Elaine. A deputy patrolling the area the same night did notice her car in the parking lot, but didn't see anything out of the ordinary, so he continued his parole, just kind of going about his business. Otherwise, there was not much evidence in Elaine's car, and the case went cold. The police still don't know who killed Elaine. Despite the case being cold, police have not given up and are still working on this case. It's always possible that they will get a break in Elaine's case. And Elaine's best friend, Jennifer, believes the suspect is somebody local to the community. She thinks the person who killed Elaine knew her personally, and Jennifer feels the killer walks among her and Elaine's family daily, and she wants the person caught, as does everybody else. Elaine's parents, David and Becky, have not given up on finding their daughter's murderer, and they have discussed allowing police to exhume their daughter's body in hopes new technology may lead to new evidence. The Nix family has found it too difficult to stay in the home they raised their daughter in since they have moved. However, they have vowed to never stop bringing awareness to Elaine's murder, and every September 29th, Elaine's family and friends reunite at her gravestone to honour her. They also want her killer to know they haven't forgotten and they are still on the hunt for him. There is a 5,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person who killed Elaine Nix and if you have any information then I'm going to put a number in the show notes. So that is the end of today's mini episode. Like I said it's a very quick one but to me it seems like somebody knew her routine. They knew 
I think they knew that she would be there at that specific time on that day and they took the opportunity and did something absolutely horrendous. And the fact that we still don't know is concerning because if Jennifer's writing it is somebody in that community, they know what they did and they might even know the family. So I really do hope that in the coming years this case breaks wide open. I really hope that Elaine gets the justice that she deserves. So that's me for now. Thank you for listening to this mini episode. And if you are still craving some more true crime, then please head over to the Primed for Crime TikTok page where I post small snippets of cases daily. Um, More specifically at the minute, I'm doing a mini series on serial killers, which is really interesting. So be sure to go and check that out. And I will see you next Monday for the next big case. Have a good weekend and I will see you on Monday.